0: And welcome back to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 87. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. I'm back after a long hiatus two weeks, three weeks. It's been a while since I did the last episode. I apologize. I've been very, very busy. But guess who else is back? Tom Brady is back in the NFL. He unretires. He will be returning to the NFL. That's the main news. It's crazy stuff. Brady is back. Also, free agency just started today on Monday. March 14th and the Chargers are going all in, making moves, really building up that defense. Gotta talk about Russell Wilson going to the Broncos. I know it's been about a week since he made that decision, since that trade happened to the Broncos, but we gotta talk about it. Also Aaron Rodgers is coming back to the Packers, so I also wanna, you know, talk a little bit about that. And in the Premier League, Ronaldo has another GOAT performance, scores a hat trick against Tottenham after the drama that you know happened because he was left off the squad against Manchester City Ronaldo with a goat performance with Brady in attendance crazy crazy stuff and today City drops points versus Crystal Palace they tie 0-0 Liverpool's path to the title is now very very clear if they win out Liverpool will be Premier League champions so that's very exciting the Premier League is tightening up and in tennis Indian Wells is going, I, I did go last week, Thursday and Friday it was a great time. It was my first big tennis event. Shout out to San Diego, been my first tennis event ever. But that was just a 250 event. This is a Masters 1000, and it was great. It was a great time, I had I had an incredible time. Um, today, Monfils eliminates Meverev, the number one ranked tennis player who will lose his number one spot after only having it for three weeks. Djokovic will be the number one after um, Indian Wells. And Nadal is just ridiculous. You know, 17-0 to start the season. Coming back versus Corda, he, he beats Dan Evans today. He has Opelka next. We obviously got to talk about the GOAT. The GOAT, Nadal, incredible start to the season. Incredible start to Indian Wells, 17-0. All of that on this episode of the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. Tom Brady is back. Tom Brady is back after six weeks. I think it was six, seven weeks of being retired. He comes back. He left the door open. He was on numerous podcasts on his own podcast talking about, you know, you never know if he would. They asked him if he was going to retire, if there's ever ever a possibility of him coming back. He basically said, you never know. And that meant to a lot of people that he was going to come back, that if you're not fully retired, that means, you know, there's a big chance you're going to come back and now he's back. And honestly, I would like to say that um, I was one of the people that thought there was always a high possibility that he could come back. Because, you know, how is he going to retire as the MVP candidate, um, second in the MVP votes, led of the league in touchdowns, led of the league in yards? The Bucks look good. Brady look good. He doesn't look old. At the age of 44, he can still move a little bit. His arm still has a lot of sip. He still looks good. Um, yeah, so he's still like a top 10 top five sometimes quarterback in the league when he's hot he could be like top three quarterback in the league he's he's the smartest quarterback in the league still so there's no reason for brady to quit other than just to ensure that he could retire and say that he never sucked he never sucked he he played his whole career he played up to the age of 44 and he never sucked he beat father time he basically if he would have stayed retired he would have beaten father time. He would have played to the age of 44, which is pretty unheard of for a quarterback. And he would have never sucked. He would have been good until his last days. But I think that's even, it's harder to process because you want to play till, till you know, you can't. So they tell you they're like, all right, you know what? Like you're going to be a bench or we're going to have to, you're going to have to give us some money back. Like <clears throat> it's hard for the greats to walk away when they're still good. So that's why I made it. I thought it was hard for Brady to just leave like that. And, so I do think he was on the fence. And then he goes to Old Trafford, a very historic place, very important place. Um, one of the biggest stadiums in the world in terms of like the magnitude, the history of it. And he goes and watches another GOAT, Cristiano Ronaldo. And Cristiano Ronaldo puts on a show in front of Tom Brady, scores three goals. You can see there's videos of Tom Brady clapping it up for for Ronaldo, being impressed. He probably got, you know, riled up with the environment. He saw the crowds going crazy. The environment at Old Trafford is, you know, second to none in the sports world. So I think that's really what set, what set you know, set it over the top for Tom Brady. Like, he, he might have been content with his decision. And then he might have been, you know, on the edge. He might have had an itch that he wanted to come back to the league. And then he sees Ronaldo doing that at the age of 37. Which is almost as impressive, or even more impressive, than Brady playing to the age of forty-four. Because Ronaldo, I, I'm nothing against Tom Brady, but if he takes care of his arm and he and he has a nice line and they protect him, he could play forever. Especially with the rules in the NFL right now, with soccer, with football, football. You know, you got to keep fit. You're running ninety minutes, like you got to be able to jump, like. It's almost like if a wide receiver would play, like, really elite at the age of 37 or a cornerback, per se, or a running back, even. You don't really hear it. Or uh, NBA players. It's more comparable to, like, um, LeBron James doing it because they're actually, like, you know, running around, jumping, using a lot of their body. So he sees Ronaldo playing at the age of 37, put on a show, fans going crazy. He's getting all the love. Media can't stop talking about it. His kids are loving it. He just—I think that really—I think that really pushed him over the edge, just seeing all the love that Ronaldo was getting at the age of 37. And then after the game, Ronaldo and him have a nice little talk on the pitch. Ronaldo, being a class act, gives one of his kids a jersey. He, I think he said that he was going to get the other one something. Like he, And then Brady's just patting him on the back, like, Oh, you're good, you know, thank you so much. And then they kind of talk a little bit, and Ronaldo leads with the line. And I don't think he meant this intentionally, but Ronaldo— his first language is not English, so sometimes words get, you know, mixed up. Like, if he, if English would have been his first language, he probably would have said, oh, like, are you done? Like, um, you're retired, right? Like, you're done playing football or something like that. But he said, oh, and you're finished, right? Or something along the He used the word finished. And although finished does mean, like, you're done, it also kind of gives the impression that, oh, you're finished. Like, like you're washed, kind of, and and, and like if that Brady could have interpreted it that way is what I'm trying to say. Although Ronaldo, I don't think that's what Ronaldo meant. He just literally meant like, "Oh, you're done, right?" But it, like the finished, I don't know that that word "finished" has a connotation in sports. Like, oh, this dude's finished. Like he's done. Like he's he's washed basically. And Brady had a little response where he's like, eh, like I don't know, I don't know exactly what he said, but look like oh maybe or one more one more year or something like that. And then the day after, he he breaks the news saying that, you know, he wants to come back and this is not it for him and he's coming back to the Bucks. So, like I said, I'm not overly surprised. I was, I, I will say I was surprised because it was so soon. I thought he, I did think he was going to come back before the season started. So this was like, like I did get, I did kind of like scream. I, I went to knock in my roommate's door and I was like, bro, Brady's back. So I'm not going to say I wasn't surprised. I was surprised. But like when it after it happened, I'm like, okay, yeah, like Brady's back. Yeah, that makes sense. He's back. He's back. So one of the questions I have is, is he gonna play with the bugs? From the post that he put out and the way he's talking, it does look like he's gonna play with the bugs. And I don't blame him. Like obviously, the bugs need to get their cap situation sorted out. They gotta see what they're gonna do with um, their wide receivers and they got some defensive pieces and their They're basically in cap hell. But, you know, they could always keep pushing it down the line and they could fix it. There's there's always where there's a will, there's a way. So they could fix it. And if you look at the NFC, it's the Rams. It's Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, who's honestly not starting to not be that much of a threat. And then who else is there? Wilson left. The Niners, they're going to trade Jimmy. How's Trey Lance going to do? Um you got who who else is in there? There's not too many teams in the NFC. I think Brady's eyes were like just glistening once he saw all these moves happening once he sees the AFC getting stronger and stronger and the NFC is just there for the taking. The Cowboys could be there, the Cardinals with Murray. Like none of these teams are really like, you know, asserting themselves to just be the top dog in the NFC. I think Brady saw the state of the NFC and he's like, "Bro, like why wouldn't I come back?" Like, "I'm in that division too, especially if the Sean Watson doesn't go to the Panthers or the Saints, like bro, that division is there for the taking. The NFC is there for the taking, and I just like to say I'm glad Tom Brady's back. I've 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 grown to like him over the years. I've talked about this over the, in the last few episodes. How you know I was kind of I was raised on hating Brady. He, he he killed my Chargers when I was a Charger fan when I was little. He killed a lot of teams. All the scandals. It was always fuck Brady. But now, with the documentary, with him playing with the Bucs the last couple years, showing his personality, showing some love to my boy Cristiano Ronaldo. Man, I'm glad Tom Brady's back. He He's, you know, he's the GOAT. Glad he's back, and I'm excited to see how the season plays out, if he plays with the Bucs, if he goes to the Niners. It's just a bunch of interesting stuff, always, when it comes to Tom Brady. And I'm super pumped, super excited that he is back in the NFL. Today was the first day of free agency and man we already have a lot of stuff going on um the jaguars are signing a lot of people and not too many you know stars or elite players or even like real quality players they're, they're filling out their roster they're making moves they're spending money we'll see how it works out for them we're seeing a uh, tyron matthew is not going to sign with the chiefs they're signing eric Reed. there's a bunch of stuff so make sure to keep up uh on twitter is where i get most of my information adam there's Shapaport. there's a lot of news outlet it comes out quickest on Twitter, so I would suggest to, um, you know, hop on Twitter, follow these guys, follow my Hard to Handle Sports podcast. I'll be retweeting a lot of these news as they come out. But the team that has made the biggest push, in my opinion, on the first day of free agency and, you know, when they were able to resign players, making trades, is the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, it looks like the Chargers are going all in. Last season, Justin Herbert, great season took even a bigger jump from his rookie of the year season. He, I mean, if he would have just stayed at his rookie of the year level, just consistent, he would have been, like, you know, already, like, a top 10 quarterback. Like, if the Browns would have had rookie year Baker Mayfield for the last three years, they probably would have made some noise. It's not a bad thing to just play at the level you played at your rookie year. Like, it's all good. If your rookie year is really good and you just keep that up, like, bro, that's good. It, like, who's to say you having a good rookie year doesn't mean you have to keep improving with that being said he did improve he and he improved a lot in my opinion he he was more decisive he made a lot of leaps he brought the team back from a lot of deficits he had a lot of big moments in primetime games but that defense was atrocious it was terrible they couldn't get a stop they couldn't get off the field they couldn't stop the run it was just a terrible defense that did not help their quarterback, did not help their offense at all. I think that's the reason why they felt so they felt the need to always go for it on fourth down or go for it on fourth down a lot. And in situations where there's a lot of situations where like, all right, I can see why you would do it. Or like that's a little risky, but all right, that's your that's your playstyle. But the Chargers were pushing it. Staley especially was pushing it so it was like, okay, like damn, you're really doing this. And I think that's because he knew that his defense was not it and he is a defensive coordinator before he was a head coach so I like he got to fix that defense but I think he just in his head he knew like damn I don't have the horses I don't have the personnel to fix this defense to really implement my system and man they're making they're making moves it started out with them traded for Khalil Mack from the Bears great move you have Bosa on one end you have Khalil Mack on the other end like that's that's elite pass rushing right there that's probably booking defensive ends probably the best in the league um, as far as bookend defensive ends, and on the first day of free agency, they signed JC Jackson, the number one corner in free agency, probably the number up there as the number one free agent. Um, if you have Devonte Adams, really a free agent, he could have been up there. JC Jackson. There's other people, but JC Jackson definitely deserved to get paid. The Chargers pay him. They now have a elite number one corner. We'll see how he plays in the Chargers defense. Could he have been a you know assistant player per se or like? A product of Bill Belichick and the Patriots defense. We'll see. I think he is a really good corner. So they paid him. He's gonna get his money. They needed a corner and he fills that void. They also signed Sebastian Joseph Day, defensive tackle from the Rams. Like I said, that run defense was atrocious. This signing should help. It, it will help him, you know, be somewhat better at, at run stopping, at stopping the run. And they still gotta, you know. Get more bodies in there through the draft. But those three signings and trades, Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, Sebastian Joseph Day, that's already going a long way. That's already improving that defense. The Chargers are getting their horses. They re-signed Mike Williams for like 28 years, which looks like, like a bargain. It looks like a bargain when you think that Christian Kirk just got a contract that's minimum 17 a year and it could go up to 21 a year, and he hasn't really done anything. I think he has like three or four career 100-yard games in his whole career. That's insane. So the Mike Williams contracts is starting to look better and better as these other contracts are coming out. Khalil Mack, good trade, bookend, defensive ends. J.C. Jackson, elite cornerback, should help him out in the back. Sebastian Joseph Day, they still have Derwin James. They still got Bosa. Like The Chargers defense is... Could be scary, man. If you're on fantasy defense, if you play fantasy, the Chargers are starting to shape up as one of these defenses that could really get you a lot of points, get you turnovers, get you defensive touchdowns. The Chargers are tooling up, man. It looks like they're going all in. I like to see it. I love to see when when teams go all in. I love that when the Rams did it. I love it when the Bucks did it. It looks like the Chargers are going all in. And like it's not just all in for this season. Like I said. Khalil Mack still has, you know, still has, you know, a lot left in the tank, I would say. He hasn't been as elite with the Bears, but it's the Bears. They're always behind. Like, the other teams could tee off on him, could run the ball. J.C. Jackson's still got a lot of thread. Sebastian Joseph Day still. Mike Williams getting into his prime, just had his breakout year. And Justin Herbert is barely going into his third year. Like, this is, Chargers are going all in, but they could be going all in for, like, a lot of years because Justin Herbert is so young. So I'm very pumped. I'm very pumped to see how the Chargers are going to play next season. I'm excited to see how that defense is going to look and how Justin Herbert, that division looks very, very entertaining. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Carr. Like, that division is insane. We're going to talk about Russell Wilson in a little bit, but just the Chargers definitely are going all in. The Chiefs should be scared. I know they have Mahomes, and he's still the best quarterback in the league, but the Chargers are making noise, man. Tom Telesco, he's doing his thing. I know a lot of Chargers fans hate on him and probably rightfully so. He's made some questionable decisions, but he started day one of free agency, really knocking it out the park. Can't really fault him for any of the moves he's made. I think Mike Williams, the contract's starting to look better and better. He just had his breakout year. He offers like a deep threat, a vertical threat for Justin Herbert, Khalil Mack, next to Bosa, probably going to be bounce-back year if you consider the last few years a down year. I think he's going to have a bounce-back year. J.C. Jackson, like, number one corner, like a true number one corner. Sebastian Joseph Day to plug to plug up the run defense, really help him out up front. Like, I can't find a fault with any of these moves, maybe the contracts if you really want to nitpick, but I don't think so. They had the cap space. I think the contracts are solid. I'm all for it. The Chargers are going to be scary in 2022-2023. But enough about the Chargers. Let's talk about another team in that division. Russell Wilson is now a Bronco. And man, like I, like I said, this I hadn't made an episode in a couple of weeks. So I'm sorry. But I think it's a perfect time to talk about him. Because like I said, like I just finished talking about, the Chargers are making moves. And although the Russell Wilson is with the Broncos now, I think they're still the third best team in the division, they only went from fourth to third. At the time of the trade, you could argue that they went from f- third or fourth to second. But with these moves that the Chargers have made, I think they're back down to third. Tough, tough division. I do think Russell Wilson is going to help Judy and Courtland Sutton, like really help them transition into elite wide receivers. They, they both have the talent. Sutton w- was on his way before he towards ACL. Judy has all the talent in the world. He just struggles with jobs. I think Russell Wilson is going to help both of them. If you play fantasy, I think their value are going to go up. You might be able to get them in the later rounds and they'll give you a lot of value. But nevertheless, that defense is good. That offense has a good running back, good young running back, good weapons. Probably not as good as the Seahawks wide receivers and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But the difference is now Russell Wilson will finally be with an offensive head coach and I think that's going to be the difference. It's going to open it up for Russell Wilson. It's going to let him throw. It's going to have new, fresh ideas for that offense. It's not just going to be run, run, and then Russell Wilson on third down and then run for two yards, run for one yards, or for no gain. Russell Wilson third down, three and out. Seahawks go back to the bench. Like it's not going to be that, in my opinion. I think new head coach, offensive head, minded head coach, Russell Wilson going to the new system. I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be good for the Broncos. They're gonna take. They're gonna take a step up from last season. They're gonna be a real threat in the AFC to make the playoffs to be a dangerous team. And like I said at the time of the trade, I did think they could push the Chargers for that number two spot in the division. I still had the Chiefs as the best team, but with that signing, I'm like, dude, the Broncos look like they have all the pieces. Their defense is still solid. Who knows if all Miller comes back or not? Solid young wide receivers, Judy and Sutton. You know they. Wilson still still baller. I'm a revenge season for Russell Wilson. Never had an MVP, but like I'm I'm eager to see how Russell Wilson, you know, meshes with the team. How he could change this team around, change this program around. The Broncos have been looking for that quarterback since Peyton Manning retired. I thought it was I thought it was sweet. I thought it was good. I thought you know they're gonna push, uh, you know, the Chiefs. They're gonna push the Chargers. They're on paper probably the second best team in the division. But then after this trade, the Chargers re-sign Mike Williams, trade for Khalil Max, sign JC Jackson, signed Sebastian Joseph Day. And you're like, bro, dude, the Chargers are now pushing the Chiefs and the Broncos are kind of being left behind. It's still the first day of free agency. We still got to go through the draft. There could still be trades. But, dude, this division is tough. This division is scary. It's tough. If I'm Russell Wilson, I'm kind of—I'm not gonna lie—I'm probably regretting this. I'm like, bro, I could have gone somewhere else. I could have gone to the Panthers, and Brady wasn't there. Now he's back, but I could have gone somewhere else where it would have been way easier. Now I'm playing against the Chiefs, who have made the AFC Championship game every time. <clears throat> Russell—I mean, every time um, Patrick Mahomes has been a starter in this league, I have the Chargers, who have the hardest young quarterback in the league and their defense looks like it's going to take a massive jump next year and it looks like they're willing to spend money now and it looks like they're going all in and I got the Raiders who are frisky who are you know who who have the tenacity like no other team who competed last year and made the playoffs Derek Carr who's underrated um key pieces like you know Hunter Renfro and Max Crosby who just got resigned, like the Raiders are no slouches either. Well, I'm still excited to see what they do. That division is tough, man. So if I'm Russell Wilson, I'm like, bro, did I really just go from, you know, the toughest division in the NFC in the NFC West to the toughest division in the AFC in the um in the AFC in the AFC West. Like that's some crazy stuff, man. That's that's crazy, crazy stuff. Like Russell Wilson, you I know you want to be in the playoffs every single year. I know you want to compete for championships every every year being in this division is probably gonna hinder that but you know it is what it is I don't think Russell Wilson is the person to run away from competition I think he'll invite this and if he wins this division by some miraculously way or if he just performs really really high in this division it's just gonna elevate his status his stature so you know it is what it is I think like I said before or like I've thought about before, I think any of these interdivisional matchups should be a prime time game. Chargers Chiefs prime time both times, away and home for either team. Broncos versus Chargers prime time, put them on prime time. Char- uh, Broncos versus Chiefs, put them on prime time. Uh, Raiders Chargers, put them on prime time. Raiders Chiefs, fuck it, put them on prime time. Broncos Raiders, put them on prime time, dude. Any of these interdivisional games should be on primetime. That's how good this division is. They should be on Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, Saturday, Thanksgiving. I don't care. These games have to be on primetime. This division is loaded, it's stacked. And, you know, good luck, Russell Wilson. Good luck, to, good luck to everyone in this division, but good luck to Russell Wilson. He's the one joining and he's the big name joining the division. We'll see how it goes for Russell Wilson. We'll see if. It's the right trade, leaving the Seahawks and going to the Broncos and potentially ending up as the third seed, the third best team in that division, being a wild card team, having to go away in the AFC. The AFC stacked. Good luck, Russell Wilson, is all I got to say. I'm glad you got your move out of the Seahawks. I thought you were going to be there for life, but NFL, nothing surprises me anymore, but it is what it is. Russell Wilson to the Broncos, toughest division in the NFL. I wish Russell Wilson the best, but... Man, this division is tough. Aaron Rodgers is back with the Packers after a lot of speculation, after a lot of, you know, drama, after a lot of waiting. Aaron Rodgers announces that he will return to the Packers and, you know, happy for Rodgers, happy for Packers. I have some Packer fans in my life, so I know they're happy that he's back. They were scared of, you know, falling into irrelevance. Once he was, if he were to leave, so you're not gonna be relevant. Aaron Rodgers, two-time back-to-back MVP, four-time MVP, two-time the last two years. But all I gotta say, it's it's championship or bust for Aaron Rodgers. He's the MVP the last two years. His teams have gone thirteen and three, thirteen and three, thirteen and four the last three years. Like there's nothing left for Aaron Rodgers to do other than win another chip, get back to the dance, and win it. Like, that's it. He could win another MVP, and it won't really move the needle. He could go undefeated in the season, 16-1, undefeated. Like, none of this matters. That division is easy. The Lions suck. The Vikings have Kirk Cousins. They're not going anywhere. The Bears, who knows what the Bears are doing. This is Aaron Rodgers' division. He has the best coach in the division has the best roster in the division he's by far the best quarterback in the division the nfc has taken a lot of steps back these last few years the afc is definitely the tougher conference tom brady is you know flirting with the idea of retiring he just came back like how how focused is he gonna be like dude aaron Rodgers, you got you got to get it done dude you can't keep losing to the niners and jimmy garoppolo like At some point, you got to get back to the dance, bro. You've only made it to one Super Bowl in your whole career. Yeah, you won it, but, bro, come on. Championship or buzz for the Packers, that's about it. Good job Aaron Rodgers being loyal, staying with the Packers. Happy for you guys. They have to find a way to keep Devontae Adams. He already said he's not going to sign that franchise tag. And that ticket just keeps going higher and higher, man. Christian Kirk on the first day of free agency, which is today, signed a contract worth up to $21 million a year. Mike Williams signed a contract for 2022 a year. Like, bro, the numbers that these wide receivers are getting, Mike Williams kind of deserves it. Yeah, he had a breakout year. He's he's like a top 10 pick in the first round. Christian Kirk has like four career 100-yard games. He's He's pretty much the third wide receiver from the Cardinals since he came into the league, and he's getting paid – Up to 21 a year. That's crazy, crazy stuff. That's insane. So how are the the Packers going to do that? I don't know. They got to do some, you know, cap magic. They got to, you know, they're already cutting players. Um, They're already cutting, like, Smith, their linebacker, he's cut. We'll see how many more players they got to go to accommodate Aaron Rodgers, to accommodate Devontae Adams. But none of that matters. It's championship or bust. They got to win it. They gotta go to the Super Bowl at minimum, and honestly, the only goal is to win the Super Bowl. I know everyone's goal is like that, but for the Packers, anything other than the Super Bowl, it's a grotesque bust. It's it's just a bad season, terrible season. I'm glad Aaron Rodgers is back. I'm glad you know he's probably gonna play there his whole career. We'll see what they do with Jordan Love. That's all good. It's all good, but it might have been better if he just left. To be honest. If he would have gone to the Niners, they're probably a nice team that he can go to. He goes somewhere else, wins it, gets away from that whole drama situation he has with the Packers. Now it's just this building up. You gotta, you gotta get back there. You gotta lead the Packers to another Super Bowl. You just gotta do it. We'll see if he gets it done. But I'm glad this little charade or like this little situation situation ship they had going this offseason is finally resolved he's going to come back he's going to sign a cap friendly deal according to aaron Rodgers. and we'll see how they do we'll see what they do with Devontae adams he needs a contract he demands a contract we'll see how that works out we'll see how many players they cut we'll see if they get any free agents some cheap free agents to fill out the roster we'll see how they draft get him another wide receiver to help out Devontae adams get him like an another pass catching tight end Cause we'll see how his tight end comes back from that ACL injury. Just help him out. Help out that defense. Running back. Go win that Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers. That's all. Like that's the only goal. That's the only goal. Cristiano Ronaldo never fails to amaze me. After a week filled of criticisms of people judging him, trying to read into his character, after being dropped for the Manchester City game. Because of an injury, and then reports came out that it wasn't an injury, that the coach had left him out of the squad, and Ronaldo was throwing a fit, throwing a tantrum, going back to Portugal to send a message to the team that, you know, he should be in the starting lineup. He shouldn't have been in the bench. A lot of speculation. In the end, Manchester United got ran through by Manchester City, and you could tell that, you know, it's not Ronaldo that's the problem, it's the team as a whole. It's like, they have a cancerous culture locker room since Sir Alex Ferguson left. They have not been the same club. They have not been that consistency, that model of consistency that they used to be. They've completely fallen from grace. And obviously Ronaldo was trying to be set up as a scapegoat. Yeah, are his whole are his goals really hurting Manchester United? Like, does he not offer anything else? Is, is he not helping the team press? A lot of these questions worded in a way to make it look like Ronaldo was the problem with United. And he's obviously not the problem. I've been knowing that. But it was great for Ronaldo to come back from a week of criticisms, from a week of speculation, from a week of the media and a lot of pundits and people on YouTube and people on Twitter everywhere pointing fingers, trying to blame Ronaldo. And Ronaldo comes back to the starting lineup against another big team like Tottenham with their a direct competition for the top 4 place to play Champions League next year and Ronaldo comes back and scores a hat trick in front of the Manchester United fans what a performance and they went 3-2 so they needed every single one of his goals man this guy this guy is ridiculous man this guy is insane he's he's the goat man in my opinion he's the goat the like the NBC commentators who are the ones that cover here in the States, afterwards they were talking about it and he's like, yeah, you know, you can talk about Maradona, you can talk Pelé, you can talk Ronaldo, Messi, whoever you want as you go. But no one can compare it to Ronaldo's... to Ronaldo's just will and just hunger to always want to win. It doesn't matter what game it is, what season it is, what year it is, Ronaldo's always going to have that hunger and that passion to win every single game, and that's true, man, this guy's the most clutch player of all time, he's he's a big-time player, he loves the big moments, he loves the big stages, he likes all the lights pointed at him, and that's when he shines, and he showed it again against Tottenham, what a performance, man, it was a sight to behold, like, I would say I was completely amazed, lost for words, but after that initial loss for words and amazement went away, it was just like why am I even amazed? Like this is what this is what this man does. This this is what he does. And now he's tied for the second place top scorer in the Premier League at the age of 37. The Premier League widely considered the best league in the world and this man is this tied for second place in the top scorers list. Like bro, this guy's insane. This guy's insane, and shame on you to everyone that tried to pin the blame on Ronaldo. Yeah, he might go some games without scoring, and he... Yeah, but dude, he's a leader. The way he carries himself. They also said about how after the game, like, there was no overly celebration. He wasn't over the top. He wasn't, like, you know, trying to throw a party. He had his jacket on, trying to stay warm. He was walking off the pitch. He gave a little wink to the camera. But it was all business. It was all business. He was all serious. He knew that there was a job to be done. It got done. Like, there's nothing. Just job, job done. Nope. Like, just that stone cold, cold blooded like face that just lets you know, like, bro, like this is this is what I do. This is what I do. Like, why am I celebrating? Why would I try to like you know be over the top? Like, we're in fourth place. Yeah, it's a great game, but we're in fourth place. We're trying to hold on to this um, Champions League spot this guy's a legend man he's a legend i'm lost for words Uh, he surprises me every single time and and then it's not a surprise because it's like bro this is what he does this was so goaded man i'm so happy that i've gotten i've had the privilege to see this man play and just for basically like almost all my life i'm 27 years old i've been watching this man since forever Like that's insane, man. I'm just I'm so happy that I get to see these performances and see this man still play soccer at this age. I don't want this man to retire, man. This guy's a legend. And tomorrow they play in the Champions League against, um, Atlético Madrid, and we'll see if they're able to go on and Mister Champions League. I'm super pumped to see how that plays out. But Ronaldo' goat performance with Tom Brady in attendance, basically. You know, I think he had a big factor in Tom Brady coming back to the NFL. Two goats linking up. If one goat sees the other goat still balling out at, at an old age of 37 and he still has something left in the tank, I think Brady saw that and he was like, bro, there's no way I'm done. Like, th- I love this shit, man. I love the fans going crazy over me. I love putting on a show. I love the accolades. I love the lights. I love this pressure moment. I love it. Ah, I got to go back. I think that's what Tom Brady was feeling when he saw Ronaldo. Man, Ronaldo, you're amazing, dude! Like, I want to go, I want to go play with you, dude! I want to lace him up and go kick a ball right now. But, man, what a legend! Manchester City failed to score a goal today against Crystal Palace. Zero-zero. They had a lot of chances. It was a fun game. It was entertaining. One of the probably one of the better games that ends in a zero-zero score. You think zero-zero? You think you know there wasn't a lot of chances. Probably you know probably sloppy probably a lot of fouls probably a lot of set pieces you know not too many chances goalie probably you know played good probably you know a, a battle in the midfield they got a lot of tight a lot of fouls a lot of you know kick balls no one was able to really get control of the game but I think City for the most part were in control of the game they they played the regular Guardiola style keeping possession passing the ball, going out wide, going back in, going back to center backs, bringing the opponent out, going again. How, how city play is using when that doesn't work, letting Grealish, letting Mares go one-on-one, try to, you know, break the defense apart, get them, you know, shifting to another side, going to the opposite side, you know, city, city's usual style of playing. And, it kind of worried they had a lot of chances Silva had some chances De Bruin had some chances uh, Maréz had some chances like but they just couldn't put it away man it was just one of those days where it's just like as the game kept winding it was like like bro how are we not up how's this game still 0-0 like dude like Silva could have had a tap in try to go around the goalie touched it goes out of bounds De Bruin hits the post on a nice build-up play um Mares gets the rebound it looks like he's gonna put it away keeper saves it um another like it looks like it's gonna be a tap in for silva but he's just not long enough to get there grazes his toes barely doesn't go in like there are so many there's so many plays where it's just like dude how's city not up like is it really like are they really not gonna score crystal palace had a few chances or a few half chances where like oh are they gonna take the lead like with this counter-attack. With this lucky bounce that got their way. But, you know, they never really looked too dangerous. And in the end, 0-0. Crystal Palace hold on. They take points away from City again. And now City... Now we have a title race, man. Now Liverpool are just four points back. And they have a game in hand. If they win that game, they will be just one point behind against City. And they play each other next month. So... This means if Liverpool wins out from here on out to the end of the season, Liverpool will be crowned Premier League champions, which is crazy, especially in January when City had built up like a 6-7, I think even like an 8 or 9 point lead and Liverpool was sending their best players to the Africa Cup of Nations and you were just like, dude, this is it. This is it, man. Liverpool had to have like a lead going into the Africa Cup of Nations, or at least you know be even, or be like a couple points behind City, because they're gonna lose Salah, they're gonna lose Manet, and it's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be bad. They were able to get through that stretch, and City have dropped points recently, and now they're only four points ahead, and Liverpool has the game in hand, and like this is this is gonna be fine, dude. This is going to be fun. And like, I, I'm guessing City, obviously, City would have loved to been able to wrap this season up to have a very comfortable lead in the Premier League so they could focus on Champions League. That's not going to be the case. Liverpool is going to be on their heels the rest of their way, I would imagine. That's what it looks like. So, like, are they going to bottle both of them? Are they going to lose the league? Are they going to choke in the Champions League like they've been accustomed to? Like, ah, dude. Because Guardiola, Guardiola has to get it done in Champions League. We know he could win, win the domestic cup, the domestic league, like nobody's business. We know he could do that. We know he could spend money. We know he could go to these big teams with a big budget that basically give him a blank check. And we know he could do that. He's a great coach. He could win the league. He could win the cup. Can he win the Champions League without Messi, without Xavi, without Iniesta, without that Barcelona system or support? He has to get it done, and now it's gonna be there's gonna be more pressure. Liverpool's gonna be right on their heels, so it's, their schedule is not gonna get easier. They're gonna to have to be able to manage both, but we'll see. If if City wants to take that step into being a real elite, like historic team, like really be regarded as, you know, one of these big big clubs, and not just be you know another team that had a big influx of money. This this is where you this is where you get it done, man. You win your league, you win Champions League, and and you know, you tell the other ones to go fuck off. But we'll see if City's able to do it. Crystal Palace takes some points off of them. Liverpool's on their heels. It's gonna be a incredible finish to the season, in my opinion. I'm, I can't wait to see how it plays out. Guardiola didn't make any substitution this game, which I thought was odd, given the depth that they have and the quality players that they could bring in. It's his choice. Maybe someone could have helped him out, you know, change the pace. Maybe they have their scoring boots on. I don't know. Guardiola makes some questionable decisions here and there, playing without a CDM in the Champions League final, not making any subs against Crystal Palace. Who am I to judge him? Like like I said, Guardiola just needs to win another Champions League. He's dropped way too much money in the city project to not have a Champions League. And like i said they i feel like city would have loved to have been able to put all their attention to Champions League and basically just had the Premier League in the back burner since it looked like they could have pushed their lead to like double digits but now Liverpool are right there, man, and they're playing Liverpool's playing inspired football, they're playing good quality soccer so and they got they do have a tough matchup in Arsenal next so if if Liverpool gets through Arsenal and do that. That pressure is just gonna keep building on City, and we'll see how they do. It. We'll see how they uh respond. But I'm just happy. I'm ecstatic. I'm super, 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 super happy that we're gonna have a race in the Premier League. I was so bummed out in January when it looked like City was gonna run away with it and United. I thought it was gonna be a four team race this year: Chelsea, United, Liverpool, City. I thought it was gonna go down to the end with all four of them. I really, I really wanted that to happen. And at the very minimum, like, at least a two-horse race. And it looked like City was really just going to run away with it. So I'm very pumped that, you know, they kind of stumbled. Liverpool are coming in strong. And it looks like we're at least going to have a two-horse race, which I'm fine with as long as it's just not City running away with it. I I don't really care who wins it, Um, who wins the Premier League. If it's not my Wolves, then it doesn't matter. All I wanted was to have a close race and it looks like we are going to get that so I'm pumped I'm excited shout out to Crystal Palace for making City drop two points and tightening up the race I can't wait to see how this plays out shout out to Monfils he eliminates the number one tennis player Medvedev at Indian Wells his forehand went god mode in the last two sets after dropping the first set to Medvedev Monfils wins the second set forces a third set a deciding third set and then he takes the third set in very convincing fashion, he beats him six one in the third set. And Monfils has had a very, you know, great start of the season. Um, he he's talked about how he thought about retiring last year, but he start he starts the season real strong. He's married now; his his wife is great for him. And at the age of thirty five, he's having one of the best starts to a season. So shout out Monfils! And this dude is is an entertainer, man. I I love how Monfils plays. I love his charisma i love I love how he carries himself on court watching that man play is 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 a pleasure in my opinion um he beat mevedev the number one player in the world only the second time he's beaten a number one player a current a player ranked at the time of the match as a number one player that's the second time onfi has done that and and he stayed true to himself man he he didn't like forget how he loves to entertain the crowd. He did his underhand serves. I believe he won like two points off of that. Um, he still did like his like mannerisms when he goes for like a kill shot, jumping up and, you know, kicking and doing all this crazy stuff that Monfils is known for. He still did all of that. And he still came back and beat Medvedev. Like, <clears throat> I was, it, it's it's fun, dude. Like, I love Monfils. I don't have a problem with Medvedev. I wasn't like rooting against Mevedev per se. But I am very happy that Monfie's won this game and he plays Carlos Alcaraz next. Teenage sensation. Everyone knows who Carlos Alcaraz is now. Um, at, at this point in his career, he he's taking the league. He's taking the tour by storm, but we all know who he is. It's going to be a very, very fun match. And honestly, if it's not Nadal, I wouldn't mind Monfie's winning it, dude. Like He's never won a Masters 1000 tournament in his career, which is crazy. He doesn't have a Grand Slam and he's one of these players that have been consistently good for a long time. I believe he's gotten to a final in an ATP tournament for like the last 15, 16 years, which just goes to show how consistent he has been and which just makes it crazier that he's never won a Masters 1000 or a Grand Slam. Grand Slam, more understandable. We've had these behemoths of the sports in Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal. Only a few have been able to get... Grand slam since With them playing So it's, it's not too crazy To think Monfils Has not won One of the slams But the fact that He's never won The Masters 1000 Is just shocking to me And I do hope That he wins one Before he retires And I'm just I'm also happy That he's playing so good At the age of 35 Like Nadal Which I'll talk about In a little bit Has been killing it And he's 35 years old too So we gotta give Monfils his credit too 35 years old Contemplating retirement last year, wasn't having the results that he wanted. His his rank was dipping, and now, dude, he he won, he won a tournament at the beginning of the year in Australia, and you know he's had some real strong showings. So I'm just happy for Gail monfils What a match! He takes down the number one player, and for Mevedev, like, it's more of the same from this next generation. Like just when you think they're about to take that next step just when you think they're ready to take the mantle and show the world what they're made of and show, you know, to let everyone know that tennis is going to be in the proper care and the proper hands once these three greats retire once you're just ready to crown them they kind of let you down and Medvedev he could have won Australian Open, really cemented himself two time back-to-back Grand Slam champions. He would have been the first player ever to win his maiden trophy his maiden grand slam and then win the next grand slam i believe that's correct he would have been the first one to do that and then he kind of chokes against nadal and then he loses to nadal nacapulco pretty big tournament the mexico open a 500 event and then we come here to indian wells masters 1000 loses to monfils after being up in the first set I'm not saying Medvedev is, you know, a slouch. Or I don't really want to criticize him, but I expect a little bit more from Medvedev. But we'll see. He only had the number one spot for three weeks. We'll see if that lights a fire in him. We'll see how he responds to this. We'll see how he does in Miami and um, the U.S. part of the tour and then the clay season and Roland Garros and Wimbledon. There's still a lot. The season's still very young. He very easily could win that number one spot, especially with Djokovic vaccination status in limbo and we don't know which tournaments he's gonna to be able to play. We don't know how many points he's gonna drop because of that. So by no means is this like the last time Everv is gonna be number one. But I was a little shocked that he only held that for three weeks. I think I thought he would have gone into these tournaments with more hunger, more you know eagerness to perform well so he could keep that number one spot. But we'll see how he bounces back from this. I, th- I still do think Medvedev is the best one of that new generation with Paz, Verov, Bertini, all these guys. But, like I said, I think a lot of people, once he won the Grand Slam, once he won that number one spot, and he basically won it the same week he got eliminated in Acapulco, and people were just like, yeah, he's he's the one that broke the curse, or like broke the streak of no new number one since like 2008 when it was Nadav, editor Murray, and Djokovic, who had been number ones for like, 18 plus years or something like that he was the one that broke the stranglehold that they had but no one really felt like medvedev was going to go on a run himself where he held the number one spot for like you know a year or or like 30 weeks or something everyone kind of knew like now it was just going to keep shifting it's going to be one person or another one person or another like no one really thought medvedev was going to have these massive streaks of being the number one player in the world and there you go three weeks First time as number one, he held it for three weeks. Hopefully for him, the next time he's number one, he's able to hold it a little bit longer. But enough of this new generation. This old generation is still going strong. Namely, Nadal. Nadal is ridiculous, man. He's 17-0 and 0 to start the season. Incredible comeback versus Corda. That was ridiculous. I was at work keeping keeping track of the game on my phone. And I was like texting my buddy. I was like, bro, Nadal's down to break in the third set. And then he got broken again. I'm like, dude, it's bad. 5-2. He's down 5-2. He's down two breaks. And it's not like it's not like a 5-2 where you're down one break. It's not like a 5-2 where you're about to serve and you can make it 5-3. And then all you gotta do is break him once and you're back on serve. Like it's a 5-2 with Corda serving for the game. He held his serve, you lose 6-2. If you break him. It's five three, and then you serve, and you you hold your serve, and it's five four, and then he gets another chance to close it out. Like it's bad, it's ugly. You're down two breaks, and then I went back to work. I had I had I had everything recorded, so I did watch the ending, but just to find out that this this madman came back from five two against Corda. I mean, nothing nothing should surprise me. I've, I've just just earlier I, should, I said that. Like Ronaldo, nothing should surprise me how Ronaldo bounces back to criticisms and to like people pointing fingers at him. With Nadal, it should be the same thing, dude. When he's down, when it looks like he's out, like you, you can't give up. You can't give up on the man because uh there's so many good quotes from this moment against Corda. Like Rublev said that like, he's he's the best fighter this sport has ever seen. I think uh someone else said that the whole stadium. Had given up, no one thought he could win except the, the only person that mattered, and that was Nadal. And then Nadal himself said that in tough matches like this, they're very, very tough. And if you don't think you could win, you'll lose 100% of them. And if you do think... Uh, some uh, I forgot what he said. I, I don't want to misquote him. But he basically said, in tough situations like this, 90% of the time you lose. 90% of the t- of the times you're in these situations... You lose. But if you don't believe you could come back, you lose those 100% of the time. And that was like, whoa, this guy's mental strength is on another fucking level. This guy's a fucking legend. What a fucking beast. Oh, man, Nadal. Like watching him come back against Medvedev in the Australian Open and all the numerous stuff, amazing, heroic comebacks he's had. Like, never doubt this man. But I think I'd also I, I like Corda. Corda's cool. He's a lot of people have him ranked as the best American player or the one that's gonna lead the US tennis back into its glory days. And I need to make another segment or another episode on the podcast or another, you know, whatever I gotta talk about. US tennis players. Cause they're doing pretty good. I like Corda. I, I like Rahfbaugh, right, Riley Opelka, Isner still doing his thing. Hopefully Jack Sock is able to really add some fire to add some fuel to this comeback he's trying to do. Um, even Cressy has the serve and volley going, and he, and he could be you know a tough match for a lot of people. I, Francis Tiafoe is my guy. Like that was sick as fuck. He's dope. I always like watching him play. Um, Taylor Fritz is dope. He's he has a high ceiling too. He could potentially crack top ten this year. Um Nakashima, he's had some good games. I like what I see from him. He's only twenty years old. Uh there's a lot there's a lot of Brooksby. Brooksby just beat T C Pass right now as I was recording this. That's that's dope. So there's a lot of there's there's some good Americans coming up. So Corda, Corda doing his thing against Nadal. Like like yeah, Nadal's my boy, that's my favorite player. I would have hated to see him lose. But I was also impressed with Corda, dude. I, I saw a little bit of oh, I went to Indian Wells last Thursday and last Friday, first day of the main draw for the men's and second day, and I saw Corda versus uh Kokanakis. Um, it was late at night. It was, it was like first day, and I was kind of tired, but I still watched them, and it was still fun. It was good. Corda um took care of Kokanakis. Kokanakis not a bad player, Grand Slam champion in doubles with Kirios, and Korda you know beat him pretty handily. So I, I I got to see firsthand. The talent that he has. And he was... His forehand was, was on fire against Nadal. It looked like he was just going to... Like, you could see why Corda was winning. Like, obviously, Nadal... Like he said, it was probably the worst match he's played in a long time. And the worst match he's played this year. But Corda was also playing really, really good. So, it was, I was like, okay. Good, good for Corda. It's good for making tennis. It sucks that my boy Nadal is, you know, the one at the end of it. But good for Corda. And Nadal is just a monster, dude. She comes back. I, I I'm glad to see how Corda take it. I I would have liked to see him take it a little bit a little bit rougher just cuz I want us, I want him to be hungry and to want to win everything and for it to sting, for it to hurt so that next time, you know, it fuels you, but it's, it's not a bad thing that he took it in stride. Like he, he's playing against his hero, he took it in stride. He took it he took it in good in a good way, so it's not bad that he took it that way. And the dog down a break against Stan Evans today. Wins the first set, wins in straight sets. He has Riley Opelka next, so that should be fun. Riley Opelka took care of um of Olive today, and you know, serve We'll see how that plays out. So he has another American in the draw. But I got to see Nadal an practice, and he's he's a monster. He actually responded to something that I said. Um, he was like beating himself up over a point that he lost in the practice to TC Paz he was like saying something in spanish and i I think i said no pasa nada no pasa nada or está bien and then he just basically like acknowledged what i said so that was pretty cool i was telling the crowd around me i'm like oh yeah it's because we're boys like that's my boy right there we're about to you know go get coffee after this practice or something it was a it was a fun time i couldn't believe that nadal was like 10 feet away from me that was insane and then watching his or not watching but like watching it on my phone how he was losing to Corda and the way he came back. Just crazy, man. This man's ridiculous. 17 and 0 to start the season. And if he's able to win this with Clay season right around the corner, the sky's the limit for Nadal. Even if he doesn't win Indian Wells, what a start to this season. This man's a monster. My favorite player. In my opinion, the GOAT. Anybody can have whoever they want as a GOAT. In my opinion, Nadal is the GOAT. And like, he just keeps amazing me. And I'm just gonna continue to enjoy his tennis as long as I can because Father time's undefeated, but man, like these greats are pushing are pushing him. Brady, it looked like Brady was about to hand uh, Father time his first loss. Nadal's is trying to give him his first loss. Like it's just incredible what these guys are doing. but shout out to Nadal for killing it at Indian Wells. Incredible, incredible stuff. But that should do it for episode 87 of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for making it to the end. I appreciate you. Sorry, you guys, for not, not talking about sports in so long. I've been really, really busy, but that's no excuse. I'm going to try to be consistent again, with, consistent again with these episodes. But I hope you guys have a great rest of your night. Nick Curios is currently playing. I'm going to go watch that as I edit this and put it up. Have a great rest of your night.